Welcome to Artists in Depth. I'm Alan Powell. This season, my co-host Bill Key and I decided to change things up a bit. We're still talking with people in the acting and arts world, and we're still exploring links with their creativity and their identity, but we're also opening the conversation to include topics that involve the well-being of artists in the process of creation and other related subjects. Artists in Depth provides an opportunity for the listener to reflect on their artistic expression and their well-being. Let's get started. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada, embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives. Our guest today is Catherine McNally. Catherine is an award-winning Canadian actor, educator, and acting coach with 36 years experience in theater, TV, and film. She received a BA Honours at Queen's University in Canada and studied at Lambda in London, England. In Canada, she has created numerous art workshops and curriculum for the public schools, theatres and acting studios. She's also been a professor of acting at Sheridan College, University of Toronto, George Brown and presently at the Toronto Film School. Catherine is also a private acting coach and is currently coaching on Orphan Black Echoes. In 2018, after witnessing unethical and unregulated practices in the acting coaching space, Catherine founded McNally Kennedy Acting with her husband, renowned actor and coach Robert B. Kennedy. Her motivation was to create safe, creative and accountable experiences where the actor's authenticity is celebrated and their voices are heard. Catherine is a proud member of the Association of Acting Coaches and Educators, adhering to their code of conduct. A conversation with Catherine included discussing boundaries for both actors and educators, the similar ethical responsibilities between therapists and acting coaches and educators, power imbalances in acting classes, child actors involved in traumatic story narratives, and the awareness their parents need to have to navigate what can be an intimidating business. You have had to remind actors that you are not a therapist, you're an acting mm. coach. So in what context was that comment made? Sometimes it's not a reminder. Sometimes it was an introduction to that idea. So that sometimes would happen post-secondary institutions where you're actually doing scene study. And um, this is usually when they're not in the introduction stage, but they're moving into actually uh, doing text analysis and diving into the journey of this particular character in relationship to themselves and their own life experiences. And sometimes in the, because the prefrontal vortex hasn't fully developed at that age until you're like 25 or 26 from what I understand. So trying to be really clear about what the boundaries are, mostly for me, because I have to make sure that they understand I'm not an expert. I'm not trained in that therapeutic dive. Um, so in, in post-secondary, mostly in those posts after they've had some kind of training, I make it really clear that I don't do the therapy. And that's really kind of a fine line, as I'm sure we're probably going to explore further, is that they can, and I remember this, Glenn McDonald told me about this, if we're talking about Lambda, she said, they can have your experience, but they can't have you. So it's important that actors understand they do have a say in what they're going to, how much they're going to give of themselves in the context of the scene and be able to 
have a process to come down after that performance that's healthy. Um, and that's where I think sometimes therapists can give them tools and techniques to help them do that. Um, and also um, not, and also give them the freedom to self-express with autonomy and with um, their own voice without, because I, I sometimes feel there's been that blur, uh, the blurred lines in the past. I'm sure we've all had our experiences in training as actors where you, you went, I'm not in this. <laughs> I don't wanna be in this with you. And you're not in the place to be there in this with me right now. And that also segues into after rehearsal when you go out with your director. And sometimes now that there's not so much actors and acting teachers going out for drinks anymore, because I don't wanna have that personal relationship with my acting teacher in terms of you know them revealing their family life or like sometimes, oh, I had a great weekend or what'd you do for the weekend? That's fine. But I've had directors and acting teachers tell me their personal lives. And I think that's a boundary that's overstepped because it's moving into another ar arena. And um, it's, it's sometimes hard to articulate, but at the same time, you want to give space to the actor to really self-create in a safe space and safe to take risks. I agree that there is needs to be, and it's kind. This is kind of like therapy as well. When a therapist shouldn't a ther therapist shouldn't be sharing their personal life with their client. But what what it does in in a in a um, in my perspective, uh, what it does in the acting room uh, is that when an acting instructor begins to share uh, their stuff in their personal life, the acting student starts to not feel as safe. Um, and thinks, well, if they don't have their life under control, why am I giving up? The, like, how, how can I do what I need to do in the room when I don't feel like there's somebody actually supporting me? You know, I need, they need the illusion that there is somebody stronger than I am in the room to support me. I think there's a fine line too. Like there's sometimes I do have relate a personal story in the context of a, a relationship dynamic that's being presented in the play or the scene that they can somehow relate or I'll I'll address a certain kind of emotional experience that they may have seen like sometimes an interruption will happen in the class someone will knock on the door and in the middle of a scene and we all I'll highlight well what did you experience with that when that moment happened that because that's all part of scene and acting so it is a kind of fine line um with that, uh, and also this is going to sound so obvious, but you'll be amazed how many sometimes in the past acting teachers or directors who are in a position of, a, of leadership, right? Let's face it, who gossip. It's fascinating how that would happen. And I remember that happening with the director where he would actually talk about a fellow actor that I was going to be rehearsing with the next day in the context of his own, not being aware of it, his own dynamic of his personal life. And that I think comes with maturity and personal awareness and emotional intelligence that either you as a director acting teacher have to actually do the personal growth and development yourself. 
in order for you to be able mm -hmm. to navigate through that world. Bill and I were having that conversation in our last episode about uh, how uh, the therapist should go through their own stuff in order to, uh, so they can hold other people's stuff. Remember that, mm -hmm. Bill? Absolutely. I mean, what so many things you've said have, have, have really triggered thoughts and ideas about a conversation that Al and I were having just immediately before the podcast. And so I just want to try to stay focused. One, one thing that you're talking about, about people revealing their personal uh, lives, their private lives outside of the outside of the I was going to say therapy room outside of the acting room outside of the rehearsal room that not being valuable aligns with the safeguarding and boundary structure of the therapeutic relationship in that it's you know it, it, it's about there is intimacy in the room there is a revelation and a close hopefully a close bonded relationship in the room but outside of the room that you can damage that by by disclosure and also in the therapy room there is a power dynamic because the therapist is is the professional in the room as they you know as the director would be uh, or the or the acting coach would be in the in the rehearsal room and so it can be damaging for that person to be too self-disclosing or to be too, you know to to make it about them it's very interesting because I think what we're talking about is a, an industry, uh, um, a process it, whereby it naturally the, the performer is reaching for internal material. Um, and yet there needs to be a really strong set of uh, guidelines and boundaries around that. Um for, so that the actor can keep themselves safe. I really liked what you said about, you know, they you can, you, you're not giving you, you're giving your, I can't remember the exact sentence you said. They, they, can, they, can, they, have, can, they can have your experience, but they but can't not, have you. But they can't have you, absolutely, yeah. Um, and also, I, I, I'd like to explore further what you were saying about, about the use of or the experience of things happening in the rehearsal room, like someone knocking at the door or something occurring in the dynamic of the room, which can um, bring a different energy into the rehearsal, uh, the, the rehearsal time. I just want to quickly say something that I was saying to Alan before, before we began about the triangle of insight. It's, it's a very simple way of looking at how the process of um, of working in a therapy with a therapist can work. The triangle of insight has, is a very simple diagram, a triangle, and on the three corners are written consecutively or otherwise in here, out there and back then. So what we're looking at is what's happening in the room between you and I the therapist and the client, what's happening out there between you and your wife, your boss, the bus driver, whoever. And back then, you and your parents, you and your teachers, you and your friends, you you know, how your relationships in all three of these areas can be interlinked uh, and generally will be interlinked to explore where you're at, what's going on for you. And, and Alan and I were talking about his work and how actually that you can transpose that onto the onto a performance kind of how is what's going on in this room affecting your performance and what you're finding? How is what's going on with your wife or the bus driver affecting what's going on for you in the room right now? And, and you, you know, and back then your parents, your teachers, etc. Because, you know, in the room, you, you, you it's almost impossible to be a blank screen, you know, 
upon which you impose a role mm -hmm. you are who you are and then you've got to try and make that fit with um, the, the the role and vice versa and i think there's a there's a component to that where that's where the self-awareness as the actor comes in because they have to be in ownership of that they decide what they're going to either consciously or subconsciously to be in that um because that's important um because it also protects the acting teacher acting coach um, and also the acting coach has to know if they've got their boundaries, then the actor has to have their boundaries for themselves. And still, because with boundaries, then you can be free to explore because you have a say. And then you know, okay, that's mine. And I've noticed this because I'm doing more on-set coaching. My energy level is different at the end of a day shoot when I've been working with an actor on set. I'm exhausted and I'm not quite sure why. I'm still trying to figure that out. I think it's because I'm, I'm the voice of the director standing next to them at the monitor, watching that frame of that person and they're young, right? So with the young actor, you've got parents, you've got the, as you're looking at the triangle, you've got the back then, Right. Mm, he mm. got the moment before mm. and then you've got the right here you get the whole package mm. so there's and you've got a child that is is very intuitive and could pick up energy from their parents can pick up energy from adults around them in a huge set that they're surrounded by adults all the time mm. and then they've got me so and then i've got the the producer and the director saying, well, what about this? Why can't they do that? And I'm going, I have to figure out the, the right time to bring in something because, and yet I also have to link arms with that 12 year old actor, dive into the world of being 12 in the context of the scene, mm. listen to the director, translate what they want to say, mm. know just the infrastructure and the technical requirements Mm. when I can come in when I can't mm. and then on top of it this this actor is a deaf actor so we have ASL interpreter and ASL coach we've got a team mm. and there's that in, that that this child is also on the overall scope of the production is going to be representing a culture mm. um, that is important to mm. her family and their culture so there's a lot of wonderful fabulous layers in this mm. so you know at the end of the day as we know when we're on set it's hurry up and wait right <laughs> so you're there and then boom in three hours you're on set i can understand why you're so exhausted the end of the day. It's, yeah it's, it's fascinating the pressure it's about founding boundaries like that's yeah. an example of boundaries and again personal growth and development for that coach for that acting teacher is so imperative because there's a lot of egos in the room and you have to stay in your lane and actually be really clear about what your role is. Where do you draw the boundary? At what point, like, should this 12 year old child um, become traumatized or um, emotionally upset by what's happening mm -hmm. on, on the set? What mm -hmm. do you do? 
Well, this is interesting. Um, there was a colleague of mine whose daughter was going to be doing this, but she was like, I think 11, and she was going into uncharted territories uh, in terms of the storyline had sexual abuse in it. They had to have a psychologist or psychiatrist, I think a psychologist, on set. The union, the union demanded it. The production couldn't afford it. So what they did was they hired somebody that looked 12, but was actually 18. So legally an adult. And, um, they, and they can handle their own stuff. Apparently <laughs> they can handle their own stuff. Okay. But you know, if you've read uh, Running Toward the Danger by Sarah Pauly, great book. She's a child actor. She talks about her time working with Terry Gilliam, um, Baron Munchausen. She was a young person. She talks very openly about her experiences, technically what's happening on, on, on set, also emotionally what's going on. It's a struggle. And it was the giving over to the powers. It's Terry Gilliam, you know? You get that a lot with sometimes with parents that they have, they're the advocate for their child, right? And they can say no. And some are afraid. And I've seen it with parents of actors, of young actors who will go, like there's a particular agent in Toronto that is a well-known well agent. Um, but how he treats young actors, it's all about, I will make you a star. And the parents will acquiesce to this. I find it, you know, really it's a fine line to say, you have boundaries as parents too, right? Yeah, it's interesting. It's the 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 boundaries can get blurred, or uh, parents can um, ignore them when uh, they hear the word "I'll make you a star" or "I'll make your kid a star" because yeah. they don't. You know, everyone has well, not everyone, but there are. Um, we tend to have delusions or illusions mm -hmm. of what of, of what uh, how you become an actor and that fame and fortune, um, and to not have the knowledge of how what it takes to get there and then someone yeah. like, you know. i also think the self-awareness as a parent because they they there's the practical things where you go oh i have to leave work early take my daughter to the audition and they have acting classes and all the money and the time that goes into it and it's a crapshoot right so it's to get out of that mindset to go this is a development like acting in theater and it can be an incredible experience for them as human beings to evolve into this extraordinary human being who's communicative, who's compassionate, empathetic, an innovator, a creator in whatever aspect of what they do. It could be fabulous. And they just have to get out of the, the funnel of funneling it down to be a star, right? Like I think that that, that as anything that having a child in an extracurricular activity or another thing, that they can't lose a sense of being a child right. and a sense of joy and exploration because that's what you, particularly in film, because in film, sometimes they're not hiring somebody that, you know, a, a great technician or a great skill set has a craft. They have no idea. Some of them don't even, never acted before in their life, but there's an essence about them that the camera's picking up. So that's where it's, it's, it's where I come in, why I get hired is because I have to do the combination of a, you know, reader digest version of an acting class 101, as well as get a performance out. And mm. that's, you know, a fine line. And that's yeah. where I think sometimes acting coaches can abuse their power because they can go, we'll just do it like this. 
because they got the producer saying, why aren't they getting the speed or this moment? Can they just do it like that? And some, and you have to do it in a way that's like, okay, this, whatever, I'm not going to go into it, but yeah. there's that fine line. And that can be damaging too. The, it's, we're back to the authority though, the, the, the authority yeah. thing and the damaging and the damage that can have on the acting student. I think there's an accountability for us to actually be progressive and be aware of what's happening as things, as, as our society evolves and changes in terms of language that we use, um, in terms of material that we give out to our fellow actors, the things are obviously changing in, in um, non-binary and all the other different uh, self-awareness of what, how our society has to evolve and grow. Um, and responsibility and accountability as a, a white privileged person in a European centric kind of curriculum and really changing that, those boundaries, what that is. And this is another danger zone is that some acting teachers have fallen into it because they couldn't get work as an actor. And there's an element of you owe me and an element of they'll bring that into the classroom where it's really hard work if you can do anything else, like really, really bringing in to a world of doom and gloom and not giving space to the actor who's shown up, number one, who's paid a lot of freaking money <laughs> to be there. And it's not, that's the last thing they want to be hearing is about, you know, one and giving statistics or data, but that's with anything in life, right? Like you can't, and I find that that's where I get frustrated. And I, and I find that's damaging too, to the psyche of the actor, um, because it's not your job. Because yeah. if I listened to every acting teacher told me what they want to tell me, particularly when we talk about body image is a huge thing. Um, it's definitely for women in our industry. It's now started coming in with men. We've got the social media and that they're, they're dealing with all that kind of stuff too as well. And that's a whole other podcast too, is the, is the, is the gaze of what is, what is uh, valuable um, for an actor. What's their currency? Because it is a visual medium. Can't get away from that. As young actors, as young people, we spend too much time looking for validation from others uh, and trying to find our, our value through other people's perspectives. And it just doesn't work. In the world of social media, in the world of YouTube, Instagram, all, all of the myriad of ways that one can film themselves or have a friend film them and perform in some way where there's this this kind of funneling wave towards being seen being recognized getting hits being you know um there's there's kind of that and at the same time there is a there is a new wave of recognition of the need for safety and boundaries in mm. the professional world of mm. entertainment and so the amateur for want of a better expression you know the public world of entertainment all the way from from uh you know pornography and how that's creeping into the inappropriate age groups where that is prevalent mm. right the way through to you know people just expressing their opinions right left and center and it being shot out into the web it feels like these two waves are running alongside one another. And I, you know what I mean? You're part of a wave of, of, of people who are recognizing that, you know, in the professional world, people need to be kept safe. 
but you're kind of running alongside a huge surge of people who are who are going hey look at me and i'm willing to do anything to be seen and recognized do you know what i mean so mm. that's the sort of general image that i got from your from what you were talking about about working in, in film and, and theater that's a beautiful analogy i mean for lack of a better word it's beautiful no, but um clear um visual image that you just created because it does feel that way because intrinsically i think human beings are human beings and i believe in goodness of people right they're good kids. They're good people. Mm. They just need help. They sometimes need guidance to say, mm. it's okay to be a size 15 or 16. It's okay not to have perfect hair. It's okay to have these thoughts mm. that may not be politically correct. It's okay to ask those questions or mm. be curious. And curiosity is the cornerstone of every actor. You have to have it. If you're not curious, you have to know, be non-judgmental literally had a colleague of mine who had a playwright working in an institution has a playwright that actually wrote the play for the actors with this particular I don't know 12 actors in mind all of them they all read it they all liked it but then when they got to rehearsal they didn't like it they had to rewrite it again and that's the thing that because now institutions are afraid because there's lawsuits mm -hmm. they're going to be splashed out on the internet Unless they're going to be called out. So there's no the creativity. So it's a really fine line, right? Like it's it's got a lot going on. For me, surely it would be better for the actors to discuss what's going on for them to do with the subject of the play and then resolve that because otherwise you just ended all discussion. You've ended yes. the possibility for a creative message and or three step, you know, one of three directions or statements or takings that people could have from that production. It seems a shame, but you know, you, you mix that in with an educational institution that has funding. Yeah. Right? And 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 there's another element in that, right? Mm. Catherine, it's been wonderful talking to you. I realize my time is up. It's been fascinating. Really, really interesting. Thank you both. If you've been inspired or moved by what you've heard on today's podcast, I invite you to visit our website, artistsindepth.com. There you can sign up for podcast reminders, get in touch with us through email, or connect with other like-minded artists by sharing your thoughts on our blog and joining our community and finding out more about our initiatives. It's free and it's rewarding. Until next time. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada, embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives.